I've been told by everybody up on this roof that they're all off the roof. I am on the roof of Exposure 4. Got fire through the roof of the fire building in the entire rear section. Welcome back to Old School. I'm Chief Rick Lasky, along with my buddy, Chief John Salka. And, uh, buddy, um, it's, it's been busy. Um, uh, fires uh, are definitely not going down. I, I, you know, we've talked about that before. Uh, Louisville is just out at a second alarm. Um, a couple good fires around us here where I'm at. Uh, people are, you know what, call, call for our service. You know, it, it may have slowed in some areas, but it's picking up, I think, on the EMS side, John. Um, we're still going to fires. We're still doing our stuff. We're one business that can't shutter our doors just because of a pandemic. You know what I'm saying? And, and hats off to the, to the men and women out there that are doing the job. You know what I'm saying? Right. Absolutely. And it's funny how, uh, since this pandemic got serious, seems to be waning a little bit and now picking up in other places. But aside from that, it's amazing how many people and industries and jobs and trades really are essential, really are essential. Now, listen, I don't necessarily agree that every single person that has to work through his pandemic, you know, is a hero or is something else. They get all these different words for everybody, and, and, that's, and that's fine. But I'll tell you what, you can't take essential away from people that work in a supermarket. You can't take essential away from people who work in gas stations and repair shops and people who come and fix your air conditioner. You had somebody coming in, repairing your air conditioner just about two weeks ago, right? I mean, oh, yeah. these are all essential people. And, you know, it's not just the, the police station, the firehouse, and the ambulance bay that have to stay open when when things go bad. Yeah, you know? we talked we talked before about the hospitals and, and all the people that work there and all the medical and all the clinics and all the nurses and doctors and technicians. And our, our AC went out. There's 105 degrees outside. Tell me that HVAC people are not essential. You know, and the, so the list kind of, it does, it does grow beyond, you know, what sometimes we kind of live in our own little world in the fire service where we're like, it's just us. And you and I've talked about this many times before. It's not just us. There, there's, there's a ton of people out there making things happen and <clears throat> we're just going to keep pushing, buddy. Keep, keep uh, doing what we do as, as, as firefighters in the fire service and uh, uh, keep pushing through all this and taking care of our communities, and our businesses like they do. So hats off again to uh, the men and women that are doing all the things out there that, to make all this happen. And to, to everyone, you know, right now, our, you know, our, thoughts and prayers are with those just trying to put food on the table uh, for their families with everything going on. So God bless you. Hang in there. Uh, it will get better. Everything in life is temporary, man. So, Hey buddy, right, let's, let's uh, talk about the topic that you and I were talking about off, off the air um, that kind of went along with a couple of other programs um, and not necessarily the, the, the Mayday ones we did before, but the SCBA uh, you know, sections that we were doing um, you brought up a couple of times wanting to talk about uh, on a future show, the writ pack. So why don't we spend uh, this time right now, talk about the writ pack. Um, 
you know, and, and we can start off by backing it up, John. I mean, back when you and I were doing Get Out Alive and Saving Our Own in the early 90s when there really was nothing out there, um, I remember putting together a rip bag, a rip bag, a, you know, they call it rip pack in Daring Woodridge, which was we bought we bought some some like uh, gym bags, if you will, some sports bags, and we had our patches sewn on them. They were gold and blue. I have them. I did an article on for fire engineering, and they they asked. They said, "Well, why don't you do an article on on the bag?" I go, "But it's a bag," and they go, "No," I go, "But it's a bag." They're like, "Yeah, no," but I said, "Okay." So I did an article on the rip bag, and you know what we put in there, you know, um, and I never really covered then, John, what not to put in there, if you will, you know. Well, and you know what? That's what happens. Yeah. That's what happens. Some, something new gets developed. People start adding, oh, what about this? What, oh, that's a good idea. Oh, that's a good idea. And before you know it, the, you know, there was four items in his bag. Before you know it, there's four and then five new ones, you know. Yeah, and, and again, we, and when we talked about hot race packs before, it's not people that are going, coming up to Chief Salk and go, hey, Chief, I got an idea how I can add more weight to the rip bag and make the rip pack and make it more cumbersome. They really think they have a good idea that this should go in there. And somewhere someone has to be the voice of reason going, no, because I'll, I'll tell you, and, and not that this is the end all cure all for everybody, but the original bag that we did had a face piece in it because everybody's be assigned a face piece. A lot of people will forget to bring a face piece in. So the bag had in it, it was, it was, it kind of folded up. The bag had a, a face piece in it. It had, um, uh, it, it had a 150 foot search rope with every 25 feet. We tied a non directional butterfly knot. So you could, you could count your knots or you could, you could tag off of one. If you're doing maybe a little larger single family dwelling or larger room search or whatever, there was three 25 foot taglines with just self snapping, non locking D rings, you know, um, that you could use. Uh, we had some side cutters, a pair of side cutters. We had some vice grips with the chain welded to it. Um, you know, and some door chocks. And that was basically it. And what it was, was you grab, you, you know, if you pull up and you're given a writ, you grab maybe a set of irons, you know, everybody's got their air packs on. Someone grabs that bag, you know, you grab maybe a bigger or whatever. And now you get off the rig, you've got this. And it sounds kind of silly, but this is way back when, John, you, you ensured that everybody had a door chock. You ensured that everybody had a tagline. You, someone took the search rope who was going to tender that, you know, tend to that. All right. So someone to, 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 the, to the search rope, you had the face piece, which you grabbed an air pack, you grabbed your eyes, air pack, snapped the, this is before rip packs, you know, rid air packs. You snapped, snapped the face piece and air pack. So the only thing that was in the bag when you were done was the air pack with the face piece attached to it. The side cutters, you'd grab the side cutters. I grabbed the vice grips, the chain case we need for a garage door or keep a door open or whatever. Side cutters, we get to some, we got to cut them out, you know, Anthony had Anthony had the, the the search rope, and then we each grabbed a little you know tagline if we want, just in case we we're going to use it or not. Whatever. That being said, that was it. It was pretty simple, you know. And you used the bag so you could drag the air pack around. The straps were getting tangled up on things. The air pack straps and so on and so forth. And then you know there was the innovations later where people start adding a few things. And you've seen them. There are some pretty really cool rip packs out there, but you've also seen the ones, buddy, haven't you? That you go. Like two guys will go, Chief Sanka, uh, we want to show you our rip pack. And they go to the rig, and there's two guys that got to grab this thing. And they kind of oof it down onto the floor. And it's it's like this gigantic boat anchor. And you look at some of the stuff in there going, well, that's good. Why is that in there? Why is that? You, you should already be carrying a set of iron, so don't put a halogen in there. Don't put a sledge in there. You, should, you know, I mean, a lot of extra things for weight that shouldn't be in there were in there. So 
Your right. thoughts and, just and, on, on the beginning. Yeah, and, and the key here, obviously, is to keep this thing as, as lightweight as possible, as easily uh, transportable as possible. The RIT team's got a big job ahead of them already. They don't need to carry in 60, 70 pounds of stuff to be hauling around and getting tangled up and falling through the floor. And like I said, I don't want to make this a RIT bag bashing session because it's no, not. No, no. But some of the new ones got a big hard rubber base on them. It's almost like a sled. It's so heavy. It's like they made it so you can drag it because you really can't carry it, you know. But uh, having said that, I, I, you know, what we need to really talk about is, is and, I mean, RIT is a gigantic topic. RIT, you could talk all day about RIT, about the, the, there's multiple levels of, of information, but just about the RIT pack. So we want to keep it light. We want to keep it durable. FDNY, we used to just have a, an SCBA. We'd pull all the straps off. we just have the bottle mounted to the wire harness, you know, with the regulator on it, and we would bring that in. That, that's that was, that was But I saw your guys, and that's because one of your guys already had a set of irons. The other one already had a search rope. You know, they all had their air packs on their backs. They all had their gear. You know, they're really, aside from all the extra stuff for another day for a RIT class, you know, there, there, there really wasn't that much extra stuff needed in that bag, right? Except the air to get to a down firefighter, right? Right. And, and a, you know, an old 4.5 without, without the waist belt, the waist straps and all the other straps on it, pretty light piece of equipment, you know, that you can just haul in if you wanted to. And a lot of the other things that they, a lot of other things that people carry in a bag are things that you should be carrying anyway. A pair of, you know, either vice grips or cutters on, you know, in one of your pockets or in, in a pouch on your belt or however it is you carry it. So uh, the thing is we want to keep it lightweight. Obviously, they made some – there's some features of the Rip Pack, and the Rip Pack obviously is a brand name, but there's all there's, there's different brands out there. Um, and some of them have a longer a longer low-pressure hose. So when you get there, it's not just a short hose like it's on your back, but, it, right. but, it's, a, but it's maybe twice as long. Still got the regulator at the end with, with the SCBA face piece. Uh, so, th so they did some – uh, they made some modifications and, and they continue to do that, right? I mean, every year a new model SCBA comes out, a new standard for self-contained breathing apparatus comes out, some new things are always added. Um, I, 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 I always said, and I know you always said, and a lot of people say it, that the RIP pack is an essential. It's an essential first piece of equipment. Do you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. There's, there's a couple of things you got to bring in, and air is one of them. And, you know, uh, when we look at Don Abbott's uh, information, you know, Project May Day, and, I mean, my goodness, he has collected so much information and dispersed it. Go ahead. Well, go, and I want to, before you go too far, because you always, you always mention this, and you probably, I'm probably stealing your, your thunder from you, but, you know, I, I've talked many times before. I know you don't talk about it because you're a modest guy, but, you know, you're, you know, you got the Bell Clubs, Firebell Club from New York's first medal for valor, for finding a down firefighter at a fire, you know, and out of air. And, you know, we, we always talked, you didn't have a port, not everybody had portable air, so you couldn't even call the Mayday back then, but you shared air with them to you both throughout. We're not talking about, uh, you know, this is the whole point of the rip pack is not to have to give up. You don't want to give up any of your air. I, I know in dire, I mean, if, if it's life or, I, I, I'll even talk about that, about life or death, but I'm, I'm like, how much of a compromise, John, do you make in your own air supply knowing you have to get someone out or to a window or to a place of safe refuge? And if you give up too much of what you've got on your back, you could end up a second victim or end up jammed up just as bad. So the whole point, like you said, and I want to go back, just going back to what you said, you got to bring air with you. If you don't bring air in there, you can't say, well, I've got a pack on my back and I can share because now, you know, we all know how long it's going to take you 
either as part of a rescue team, you know, with the, with the relay rescue kind of stuff, or just to get them drugged from one room to the other. We know that, right? Right. And that's what, and that's, that's the greatest value of the RIT pack is the fact that it relieves you of having to share your mask. Let's face it. You're a part of a team. You're a part of a two, three, four person team, four person company. One of your firefighters gets lost, gets, gets, you know, disoriented, goes down without air. I know you can read it in a book any day, every day and any day that says, do not share your air. That's going to cause you to become the second victim. But that, but that's, that's only valid when you're reading it in a classroom. It's not valid when you're sitting there leaning over your chauffeur or your engineer or your lieutenant or your junior firefighter. You're going to want to share air with the guy. So the point is when you have the RIT pack with you as a RIT team, you don't even have to consider that. It's not even an option because you brought in a whole separate air system, fresh bottle of air with its own face piece, et cetera, et cetera. And so, again, I don't want to confuse that. And I'm glad you brought that up with, you're not the RIT team. You're in there doing another task and you find a down firefighter who's out of air. Which so, is what I ended up going through back then. I didn't have an option and that's why I shared. And it may not have been a very good, you know, in, in retrospect, I may not have been a very good choice of, of actions. On the other hand, the guy that was out of, out of air was pretty happy about it. You yeah, know what exactly. I'm saying? He got to breathe some fresh air for a little bit till, till you know, they, they got a pack on him and got him out of there and everything else. So, uh, so that's the one most important thing about the RIT pack is for, for the RIT team, obviously, that is a vital piece of equipment to go in first, first run. First one or two people are going in, obviously two people or more, but uh, the RIT pack goes in. Well, and, and again, like you said, I just want to say it one more time for our listeners we're not, let's not confuse. You're in there doing an operation, doing a search or whatever, and you come across a down firefighter. We're talking about the RIT pack. You're part of the RIT team. You go in after a down firefighter, you find him or her down out of air. That's the whole point of bringing the air with you. So you don't have to compromise the team's right. capabilities, to get that stricken firefighter out of the building. So just like the team going to the roof with the saw, you're bringing the saw to cut up on the roof. You're bringing the RIT pack to, to, to supply fresh air to a down to a distressed well, and, and, and before we move on, I wanted to ask you, you know, let's talk about the process. Okay. We've got the RIT, you're the RIT team. We've got the RIT pack with us. Now we're inside. We've located it on firefighter. One of the things I've heard you say tons and tons of times, I know I say it is, you know, as, as a down, as a firefighter who's trapped, pinned, lost, running out of air, the last thing you want to do um, you, last thing you want to do, I'm not saying never say never, is take your face piece off, right? You're the down firefighter. You're going down. It's one thing you're out of air to unsnap your regulator, but it's another thing, like you said before, you know, now I'm, I'm, that's pulling my helmet off my hood, my mask. Cause some guys panic, right? You get some guys like what, what happened there? They pull their whole mask off. You find them. You've seen the reports. They're there. No helmet, no helmet on, no hood mask pulled off because they panicked and forgot. All they have to do is uh, snap that. Talk about why, you tell your people, leave the face piece on because when I get to you, what, is that, what does that help with? Right. Number one, obviously, um, you, you expose yourself to, to a lot, lot more dangerous conditions and damaging effects when you take your, your hood, your helmet, your face piece and everything off. Now you just got this exposed head, your ears and everything else. You're exposed to heat. You're exposed to flame and all the other byproducts that are there uh, in the situation that you're in. That's number one. Number two, um, when the RIT team or anybody else gets there for that matter, but a RIT team in particular, somebody with the RIT pack arrives to, you know, whether you're, whether you're unconscious, whether you're still struggling, or whether you're somewhere in between, when they find you, now you've created a much 
much more difficult situation for them to handle. Now, now they have to reach into the red bag. They have to pull out the face piece that they brought. Depending on visibility, depending on where you are, how how uh, if you're laying down, if you're prone, if you're supine, if you're if you're on a stairway somewhere, debris on top of you. Now they have to find your head, your face. They have to get their face piece, you know, the chin cup into the chin, get it onto you. You you've created a big job. If they find you unconscious with your face piece on, you regulate out because you ran out of air. Totally understandable, right? Guess what? All they got to do is find that hole. All they got to do is find your helmet. Find there's your, there's the head. There's the mask. There's the face piece. Click it in. Boom, you're back on air. They don't have to do any straps or anything. And we've said this before. They're not in there laying next to pallets and straw or some theatrical smoke or propane. They're in there the majority of times in a hostile environment. You know, you know what I'm saying? It's, we, we need to get them out of there. We don't have, you know, not just saying we'll talk about that in a second, how to train yourself to be able to put a face piece on someone and you know, reduce their zero visibility. You still you know how to do that. But we're talking about in the majority of circumstances, it, it's all going now, man. There, I mean, there's heavy fire, whatever. There's been a collapse. We don't have time like we do in sometimes, I think, the falsehoods we train people to in the training towers. A mayday lasts 35 minutes. Or they, they don't, you know, there's some things we train people. We train people to fail, John, sometimes. Just like we teach young firefighters to not put out the fire and burn tires are saying, don't put out my fire. Then they get to the real thing, they don't. We train firefighters in mayday situations. I think they have like 30 minutes, 35 minutes to dick around inside where they didn't just, nine times out of 10, they, did, they, they didn't just collapse, you know. And right. A lot of times over. there's extenuating circumstances and other conditions going on and maybe a partial collapse, maybe a yeah, flash. Yeah. A lot of things can happen, can cause a firefighter to give a mayday or get disoriented or run low on air or be separated from his crew. Again, Project Mayday, I'd love to talk to Don Abbott and see if he has information on what kind of conditions, at what stage in the fire do most Maydays occur. Now, we, you know, we already know that a lot of them happen early, but early is when things are least least under control, the least checked. Yeah. That's when the fire is most out of control. And those are the conditions you're going to have to... And those are the majority of them, yeah. And hopefully the folks that are doing RIT training and Mayday training and down firefighter training and survival training, Hopefully those folks are doing them under at least working their way up to, and pay attention to that if you're listening, right? Working your way up to realistic hazardous conditions. If, if you don't eventually get people training in, in I'll call them semi-hazardous, but, but there has to be a degree of hazard and heat and fire and danger. There has to be a degree of that if you want to really teach people how not to panic and keep their face piece on and just remove the regulator. You know, if you want to teach people to arrive at a place Listen, every RIT team does not have a hose line. Not in New York City. Not in lots of places. RIT team is a, it's like a truck team, right? They go in there. They have air with them. They have tools with them. They have a lot of stuff, but most of them don't have water. You have to be prepared to be somewhere that's hostile and get somebody packaged and get somebody back on air and you know, at least start that process without a hose line. So hopefully people are training their RIT teams in, under the, you know, or like I said, working their way up to it. Maybe you're doing it the first couple of evolutions with no face pieces on, just with clear visibility. And then when you get that down, then maybe they do it in some darkness. Then maybe they do it in some smoke with face pieces on. Then maybe a little bit of heat. I, I, I told you how my son learned forcible entry out there in Indianapolis with, with, oh, yeah. with Jimmy McCormick, right? They must have went through that. They must have went through that forcible entry door series of doors. They must have went through that 12 or 15 times. Each one incrementally more difficult with heat and fire and smoke. 
and 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 you should you should actually be doing the same thing for Ritran. Yeah. Well, and again, you know, for those out there that have the big, heavy, if you will, you know, we'll just call them kind of a, abundant of stuff inside of it. Rip bags. We're not dissing those bags. It's just time to look at what you're doing and what you're dragging around, and make sure it works for you. Make sure that you know if you got people that don't want to drag something around because it's too heavy, then look at why it's too heavy and maybe eliminate a couple things or change a couple things. So whether you have an air pack, John, that you've modified, you know, like some places don't have the money to go out and buy all these rip packs. They have, but they have extra air packs that you know, or you actually have the rip pack with air. You have a face piece and you've got a quick fill on it. So now we've got this pack, the RIT team's going in, right? That we got to report it. You're, you're, you're the instant commander down. Missy Fiber calls a mayday. You're trying to get him or her back on a radio. You're having a hard time. You know, it's, it's, it's you know, like normal kind of craziness because it's not calmness. You're, you're, you're working as the instant commander to keep everybody calm. You know, they're on the second floor. You think they're on the second floor. That's what you heard last. You deploy your RIT team. RIT team goes in. They got, a, you know, they got a you know, set of irons. They've got their search rope. In they go. Now, like you mentioned before, some departments that are really strapped at the beginning of an incident for manpower may try to bring a hose line in with them, but it's going to slow their process down. You know, I've always looked at, you know, part of the RIT operation. If you have to bring in a hose line in, that's another crew that's part of RIT support. Well, before we jump to the second floor here, one of the things you and I have talked about many times before in our Mayday classes is, and, and in the three degrees of Mayday especially, and we, I used to talk about this with Skip Coleman back way back when, um, is we, we, we forget to keep fighting the fire. You know, right now, if, if your guys went two o'clock in the morning to a single family dwelling fire, the first engine pulls up and they attack the fire. Boom. Second engine ventilates to make the environment more tenable, you know, for us and for potentially any of them help us with fighting the fire. Third gets it in searches. Hands down. We would do that every chance we can for a civilian that's missing or unaccounted for in a burning building. Why do we stop that stuff? We have a, we're notorious for stopping this stuff with a mayday. So the goal should be, as the incident commander, right, John, to, to, to continue to fight the fire, to continue to search, to continue to ventilate, just like you would for a civilian. Now we're doing it for one of us. And this is why I think a big and get more help there. So if the first in crew on the line knows they're going to be needing someone to come in place or get run out of air, you can send other crew in to do that. But you have that RIT team. Now you're deploying to the second floor. So we're, we're continuing to fight the fire. We're continuing to ventilate. We're continuing to search. And now we're sending our RIT team in. Search rope, maybe. You're talking about a set of irons. And they got the RIT pack. Right. Let's, talk, let's talk here about they get to the second floor. They locate the firefighter. You know, and boy, did you just place. make a gigantic jump there, right? From well, going to locating the firefighter. Sometimes that's the longest period of time. Exactly. On the, on the team, right? So go ahead. So they, so they locate well, the firefighter. Yeah. So, so that whole, that whole, that, that whole process of getting in there and locating now firefighter. I, I did an article years ago to save your own series of fire engineering called approaching the now firefighter. Just now, you know, Rick, I got him. I got him. Just like you would, you teach CPR class, Annie, Annie, are you okay? There's certain things you want, right? Run us through what you're thinking right now. Whether, whether it's checking to see if they're, they're tangled up, whether their face piece is still in place. What are you thinking? You're in there. You're the captain. You've got two firefighters with you, or just one firefighter. He's got, she's got the rip pack, and you, boom, you, you find him or her. What, what's the first things you're looking I'll at? Tell you, you and I both, and I bet our listeners have heard or, or read or listened to people tell them a lot about RIT, and, and I believe strongly that the very first thing you have to do once you find a downed firefighter 
is air. Air is the first thing you got to think about. And obviously, that's the root pack is designed around that. Rapid intervention team. Rapidly get in there. You can't go very long without air. I'll tell you what. And if you do and you start breathing smoke and you're gagging and coughing and puking and you're just breathing poison and you're in a process of dying, right? Well, this is where some of the people, John, when it comes back to training, and I've seen this happen by accident, they find a downed firefighter, he or she's out of air, and what do they do? Rather than use the quick fill, they try to mess with a regulator or, or they try to change the face. I've seen them actually start to remove the face face in a train. I'm like, what are you doing? Well, they need air. Well, you brought them air. You brought them a mask just in case, but you should have the ability, if you've trained to it, to give them air pretty quick, right? Oh, absolutely. And, and as you just mentioned, the quick fill, there's other features in some of the newer RIT packs that, that are out there that are useful for certain situations. Again, comes back to training and knowing what you have in the bag with you and quickly evaluating the situation when you find somebody and figuring out the fastest way. And if you go through a couple of evolutions, you'll, there, there is no blanket fastest way. Depends on the condition that you find this, this guy, this firefighter in. Depends on their physical condition. Are they conscious? Are they unconscious? Are they fighting you? Could somebody fight you that you're trying to help? Absolutely. So there's, there's a lot of ways. Sometimes it's snapping a regulator on real quick and calming the guy down. Sometimes you got to give the guy a bear hug and hold him and say, relax, relax. We're here. We got you on air now, you know. And again, however it is you get that done, you got to get them on air ASAP. Right? Well, let me ask you this. Rip bag, you're going in. You deployed your guys. You're the incident commander. You're sent them to the second floor for a missing trapped or down firefighter. Turn the, turn the rip pack, turn the bottle on before you go in or when you get to the firefighter? Absolutely, before you go in. The minute you're assembling your, your equipment, when the RIT team is assembling equipment, that's the company officer's job. The RIT team company officer should be saying, okay, Billy, you got it. You get the soil, you get the search rope, you got this, you got that, you got, oh, turn that rip pack on right now. Get, get the app turned on right now. That's one less thing you have to do when you get in there, when you make this discovery. Listen, there's millions of firefighters. I don't know how many, but it's maybe thousands have, have actually found a person inside a building, never mind rescued or found an unconscious firefighter. It's a very low number of people. It's a pretty dramatic, dramatic and traumatic situation. And you don't want to then have to remember, oh, we didn't turn it on. You know, so there's something you can, you can get done ahead of time. And you can turn the air on on that red pack before you even go in. Exactly. Like I said, you said you don't want to be fumbling with this in a smoke. It's already going to be an over-the-top, on steroids over excited, nervous, stressful situation because you're dealing with a down firefighter. The last thing I'd be doing is worrying about turning the actual bottle on and so on and so forth. So that being said, we talked about that. You know, don't take don't take your face piece off if you're the if you're the trapped firefighter. Make it easier on the rescuers coming to get you. Okay. We get there, we find them, find him or her. You know, we have a choice. We either you snap the regulator on or we can do a quick fill depending on who it is or where they're at, and so on and so forth. Or, or we might have to put a whole face piece on if they panicked and ripped their face piece off. And right? that's the third part is going to. Just like the picture we show of your guys, your probies in the kitchen, in the firehouse, in the evening, in the kitchen of the firehouse, doing this training. With their hoods turned, turned around. And, and, again, you know, I know some guys, John, they, they have that stuff down. Curtis was that way. Curtis Burt, Seth Dale and them. Golly, man, such a battalion chief in there, which they could change someone's – I was I was amazed, but they were only able to do it that quickly because they practiced and trained so often on so many different things. Especially, and there are guys and gals, there are firefighters who can't put their own damn face piece on yeah. quickly enough, never mind work on somebody else's. So there's a gigantic, you know, 
disparity between the best trained people, the best equipped people, the best able people, and the folks that are coming in to collect a paycheck and put their helmet on backwards if they're not paying attention. Exactly. So we've got where we, we have the ability to, to quick fill if we have to off of it. We have the ability to snap on the regulator off of the rip pack we brought in, you know, and we have the ability to actually put a, an entirely new face piece on them to get them some air. Couple other gizmos and gadgets out there as well, but those are those are pretty much the three basics. So, like you said, and I thought I loved how you said it. Air is absolute, absolute a must when you get to that to, to check to see if they have air. Check if they're breathing. If they have air, I, I had a I had a paramedic instructor, Deputy Chief Russell, when I was going through paramedics on Christ Hospital a long time ago. Okay, and this is in the early eighties, <laughs> and uh, I remember he came in to do a, an afternoon session, and he said. Here's my, here's my question for you. You're on your way back from the hospital in the ambulance and you get a flat. What do you do? Here's your three answers. J- jack, lug wrench, spare tire, oxygen. He said the answer is oxygen because oxygen is always the right answer. Just like you said, I mean, we're doing no good if we're not making sure that we're getting them the air or doing what we have to. And look, you may have to just dra- – you may have to get them out of the fire room into – an outside hallway or another room. I know there's, you know, you can't fumble around with it if it's, you know, get ready to flash and things like that. But this is where the training pays off, right, John, where you can recognize the situation and what your limitations are, but air right. is an absolute must. And you can see how some stuff sort of gets uh, inserted in between, you know, the tactics get sort of all inserted on top of each other. Cause you know, finding a guy really has nothing to do with the rip pack, but once you find a down five out of then you, then you're using a rip pack again. And now you decide, no oh, man, he's a little tangled up, or he's got a beam on his leg. Now we got to get a saw here. So now, now you're forgetting about the rip pack for a couple of minutes, and now you're doing some disentanglement or lifting, maybe some drags, maybe maybe modifying his SCBA so you can, you know, you use it as a drag or a, or a hoisting tool. Um, but th- but then suddenly when you start packaging and getting ready to leave, now what do you do with the rip pack? Now you got to secure the rip pack yeah. to the victim, to the down firefighter, so you don't you you carry it in. You shouldn't have to carry it out. It should be somehow fastened, strapped, or clipped in some way to the down firefighter. So when you when you start dragging them or carrying them or throwing them in a stokes or whatever it is, that rip pack should be right on them, not not be able to pull off. Of, and pull how, how many programs do you see people teach? Like when we do our Manager the Mayday program, you and I, and, and Three Degrees of Mayday, we talk about at the very end of a Mayday returning to normalcy. No one ever, they always, I always walk you through the Mayday, but they never say, okay, now that it's over and it's secured – now we have to do this. The same thing. Okay, we yep. got the rip pack. We found we found the we found the um, the down firefighter. We got him or her the air. Again, we don't want to create a bigger problem for ourselves by not by having this pack we're dragging with us or it's falling off their side or whatever. So there, there's got to be a method to their madness, you know, with how they snap it, tie it, whatever. Some of those packs have their right. They're they're built in where you have this mechanism where you can. You can put it around a firefighter. You can pull it through their shoulder straps, whatever, if they're on their back or whatever. You have the ability to secure it, like you said. So you and I can now start moving, and we'll do another show on Approach Now Firefighter for our visitors. I'm, I'm moving this firefighter out of that room and, you know, maybe in a hallway or down a set, whatever we have to do. Or off that floor. It might be on a floor above. There might not be fire there at all, but it might be a high heat and a heavy smoke condition. And you might have to get the guy from the floor above the fire down through the fire floor, you know, via the interior stairway or whatever. And the, now here's another important point, and, and we all know this is true. Um, quite often the RIT team that finds and packages and maybe initially brings in and, and deploys the RIT pack 
quite often those are not the people that that carry the firefighter out or drag the right, firefighter out. Right. Most of the time they're working so so hard and, and breathing so hard that often they run out of air as well. And they got to call in for the second team or the, or whoever it is, another RIT team, or it could be the other two people from a four-person RIT team, which I've always promoted. always thought it was a great idea to have an, an A team and a B team. The, the officer and a firefighter go in with the RIT pack, and the two others stay outside staged and ready to go. They are part of the RIT team already. but And then when they start to run low or they need something, one of them can shoot it in, or they can both go in, relieve the first team. First team can make their way out. And the second team's got fresh bottles, and they can finish the operation up. So sometimes you're going to have to pass that information off to the relieving team, saying, okay, guys, listen, he's already on air. We're, he's on our bottle. We already got the pack secured to him. you got to finish packaging him, getting on the stokes that you brought in. you got to get him in the stokes and get him out. We're going to go outside and get fresh bottles. And boom, you're gone. Now there's these two fresh guys that didn't bring the red pack in, didn't deploy it, didn't attach it to them. Now they got to pick up where you left off and hopefully you, you exchange some good information. And so, and if you're strapped for manpower and you're running with a two man company getting there or three or whatever, this is why we've said before, it's so important to ba- important to bang out the alarms early and often get the people coming, have the mutual aid automatic eight planes plans set in place before they even, you know, ring the bell for the alarm. You know what I'm saying? Before they even punch it out to, to have this all set in motion. So you've got people coming, like we said, like you said, we're just lucky enough to get to this firefighter and get him or her air. We may be able to close the door ourselves into a room or get him to, who knows? You know, like you said, we're already, we've already, we're already spent. I mean, it's, like I said, it's not a burn tower where you slide down concrete. You're on carpeted, you know, stairs sometimes. And, you know, it's like, and I always said, it's like factory conditions, you know, commercial. Oh, it, it's like, it's like, yeah, it's like putting upside down duct tape on the floors and trying to drag people across it. It's, you know, it's just this constant sticking. So, hey, as we wrap this one up, one of the things we talked about, um, and again, you know, 35, 40 minutes is, is enough time to talk about it, but it's not like a three-hour program on it. But we talked about, John, the contents. We started talking about the contents of the bag. Make sure that what you have in there is relevant, reasonable, and I'll just end that with needed, that it's actually needed well, for what you're trying to do. And that is so true, but there's one more element. There's one more perspective to that, and that is there is stuff that's needed, but it doesn't have to be in a red pack. Just because we might have to breach a wall doesn't mean we have to bring a, a, a wall-breaching piece of equipment inside the red pack. Just because, even, even though we're going to use the search rope, the search rope should not be in the red pack. The search rope is a separate piece of equipment that we may use by itself when we're not the red team, or we may use it with the red pack someday. But just because it's needed during a RIT team operation doesn't mean we pile it into this bag. You know what I'm saying? That each tool is individual, and, you're gonna, and each, each RIT team in each department, depending on conditions, depending on where the, where the firefighters reported trapped or missing, you're going to select a different group or a different combination of tools each time you go in, other than things like the RIT pack, right? Obviously, you're going to have a RIT pack. Obviously, you're going to have a search rope, and then other hand tools. Exactly. And like I explained earlier, Ours was just like, to, you know, and, and nowadays you shouldn't have to put things like door chocks and side cutters. And those, those, somebody should be carrying those already. Ours was, this is it. You grab the, you take this, you take this, you take, and the only thing left in the bag back way back in the old days was the air pack itself. There wasn't all this other stuff and it didn't take three people or two people. It, you, you, I mean, it wasn't that hard to carry the, the, the bag. So again, make sure it's relevant, make sure it's needed. And if you need extra stuff, bring the extra stuff, but don't load the bag down and make it so cumbersome that people don't bring it. So that's it. As we close things out here, John, 
quick review, all right? They're on their way to second floor. What are you expecting for the red team with the red pack, okay? I wanted to get in there quick. Get in there quick and get whoever it is on there. Almost guaranteed. Almost guaranteed somebody who calls on my day is going to need air when the red team gets there. Almost guaranteed. You should get there. You should be going in there very quickly. Not knocking people over, but very quickly. And you should be prepared to, to deploy and, and get the downed or distressed firefighter on air. Very good. Very good. Like I said, make sure, make, make sure you know how to use this stuff. Train with it. If it sits on the rig and it's something you check every day or on, 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 on rig check night at your, at your volunteer place, not going to do you any good when the time comes to use it. You know, especially the specialty skills need to be practiced a little bit more often so you don't lose that edge when it comes to that. Changing face pieces, finding the quick fill, snapping a regulator on, then fastening the pack, which should be very quickly to the, the down firefighter so you don't, you're not worried about it falling off or you're, if you're going downstairs or whatever. Make your stuff realistic and, and make sure that it works. So, I mean, like I said, John, you said there's so, so much more we could talk about, but I think this hits some of the highlights when it comes to the RIT pack. Absolutely. And Absolutely. we'll talk for our listeners. We're going to do another show, um, uh, and we already have written down, for approaching it out firefighter. The whole, okay, now that we have him or her, how do we get him or her out and what are our options? So, hey, buddy, if they want to get a hold of you, what's a good email? We always say this. Chiefjohnsalka at gmail.com. And I'm Chief Lasky at gmail.com. We appreciate you tuning in and listening in one more time. Uh, spread the word. Uh, we're just we're having fun, man. We're sitting back talking shop. We love the comments. Uh, you know, keep keep some ideas coming at us. We appreciate you, you know, joining us, listening in. And as always, we always ask you to please keep the men and women, our armed forces, and your thoughts and prayers. Be safe. God bless you. And talk to you next time.